so years ago, I, uh, I had a bad board on my deck. This one board on my deck, this one plank was bad. So I, be, I, I got to replace that one board. So I get my crowbar out. I hook up the one board. And I'm just, I'm, I bought one piece of lumber at Home Depot. And I put the new piece in, and I was done. It's a 15-minute job. Well, I popped that thing out. I'm like, you know, I better, because the thing is that board, when you've stepped on that spot of the, 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 the deck, it like had a bounce. Like not just, I'm a big guy, I know, but even like the kids would stand and it would bounce, you know? Don't think, okay, it's not that, okay? So I popped the plank out. I put my head to look underneath, and I saw how shoddy the build, the, the, the foundation of this deck was. Whoever built this thing built it really, really poorly. And I'm looking under there, I've got a flash, and I'm like, this is terrible. Like this whole thing so I decided to take a few more planks out to see. So I got to see where I take more planks out. I start seeing more of what's going on. And I tell my wife, babe, this is all a disaster. The only way to fix this is to tear it all up and build it new. Because the structure that was built underneath the planks, it was, they used poor nails. The nails were already rotting and separating from other, other boards. So they used poor nails. They used, they used not the right size of wood. They used small, small pieces of lumber. I'm like, this is terrible. And I tore, and instead of taking one plank out, I tore the entire deck out of the back of our house. It was a good day. Um, <laughs> but the point of that is this. I just wanted to deal with one single piece of wood. When I looked underneath the planks, I saw the foundation itself was rotted, and it needed a lot more attention. Foundations are very important. What we build our houses on, what we build our lives on matter. If I'm trying to deal with little pieces of my life and the foundations are rotten, whatever I build on top is going to eventually fall over. Now we today are with a guy named Jeroboam, a very Hebrew name. And Jeroboam is the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. So, Rehoboam the unwise, the son of Solomon, he leads the nation of Israel into insanity. He, in his foolishness, causes a civil war. And the nation of Israel, God's holy nation, it breaks into two pieces. In the south, you have the nation of Judah, which are the Judahites and the Benjamites. In the north, there are ten tribes. Ten of the twelve brothers go north. And Jeroboam is their new king. Jeroboam has a problem. Jeroboam puts some things into his nation at day one that are so toxic and so bad, his nation will never recover. Nineteen kings rule in the north. Not a single one of those kings ever loved the Lord. Not a single one. If you read 1 Kings or 2 Chronicles, you'll see this phrase, over and over again, I'll say, and this king walked in the ways of Jeroboam. That line became a line saying they went back to their wicked roots. The foundation was rotten, so everything they built on top kept on going bad. Jeroboam built rotten foundations, and the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, it never gets back on track. It is a mess for 400 years until the Assyrians come and burn that thing to the ground. 
Today, we're going to look at what Jeroboam did, the rotten bricks he puts in the foundation, and we're going to learn what not to put in our foundations. Understood? We're going to see what he built into his nation. These rotten bricks would plague his descendants for generations. Just so you know, we do not live and die alone. To quote the famous John Donne, no man is an island. We do not live or die to ourselves. Sometimes when I, when I minister to addicts, they'll, they'll tell me, what's well, my life? Why does anyone care? It's not just our life. Every single addict, there's a whole group of people on that ride with them, aren't there? Mothers and fathers and siblings and wives and children. How do we build a foundation for our families, our friends, our neighborhoods? So in 1 Kings 12, we find the following. Jeroboam the king has a problem. Let's see what he sees. He is in the northern kingdom. Ten tribes are with him. It says this. So Jeroboam, he built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim. He lives there. He went out from there and built Penuel. So he has a capital now. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David if this people go up to offer sacrifice in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem. Stop right here. There's a, there's a line now. There's a border. And Jerusalem is in the south. The temple of God is in the south, in the southern kingdom. Rehoboam goes, if the people go to love God at the temple, they'll remember. And we love God, and God's with David. We should go back to David's kingdom and join the southern kingdom again. He's afraid if they go back to God, they'll leave me. He's a political problem. So what does he do? He says this then the heart of the people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. To him, the people going to worship God, it's not about God, it's not about truth, it's about power. And he's afraid of losing his power, so he's got to do something to hold on to the little power he has. To, for him... God is a means to control people. And listen, some people will use God as a means to control you. I did an interview recently. I interviewed five people who were not believers. Either atheists, agnostics, or who had deconstructed their faith and no longer believed. Of those five in-depth interviews I performed, the majority of them were not primarily intellectual. They were primarily emotional. Someone who they trusted. Some preacher, some pastor, some priest, some church that was supposed to lead them to Jesus. Try to control them and hurt them. And hurt them so bad, they're like, I'm done with God. If those are his servants, I'm out. If that's his people, I'm out. If you ever go to a church and the leadership of that church tries to use God to control you, 
you need to run away. That's not what God calls his shepherds to do. Shepherds are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My job as a shepherd is to build into you, is to help you grow in the Lord so you can do his work in the world. Here's the reality. If this work is only on me and Pastor John, the work's going to be very, very small. We're called instead to equip and train and empower the saints, you. So you can use your gifts and your calling to engage and serve Christ in your community. There are places that you go, that I don't go. Your work, your school, your family, your hometown, places you go that, that us will never go. If a shepherd tries to use God to control you, you need to run and run fast. That's not what God's shepherds are supposed to do. Jeroboam uses God to try to control a nation. To him, God is a weapon. There's a movie, a famous movie, came out years ago called The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington. It's a good one, dude, it is. And the book, Denzel, I'm going to ruin it for you. He's got the Bible. That's the book of Eli, it's the Bible. He's got the Bible, and he's in this, like, war-torn apocalypse. The, like, electricity is gone, water's gone. It's like, you know, us in, like, 20 years. But, um, oh. hey, oh, sorry. I'm just, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm just playing, I'm just playing. We're in Michigan, baby, Great Lakes. Okay, so, it's, so it's, it's, I think that movie's out in California somewhere. But anyways, um, so, it's the end of the world. He's got this book, and the villain, Gary Oldman, wants the book, and he tells his followers, he's like, that book has power. And if I had that book, I could control everybody, not just this town, but in the world. He didn't care about that book for its truth or its beauty. He wanted to use that book to control others, and some people will do that. If people try to control you with God, they use God to bully you, you have to run. God is not a means to control you, but God is a person to be worshipped. Jeroboam doesn't think to himself, you know, we got to figure out a deal with, with the South so we can go and, like, like maybe, I don't know, once a week and go worship the Lord. To him, God is only beneficial in how he control others. So as you live your life, if you don't, are not from here, if you move from Flint and go to another church, as you search for a church, if that church tries to grab you, and make you their own, like they own you, you beware. Flint City Church doesn't own anybody. When people come to me and say, Pastor, I feel called to go to another church across town, I don't go, no, don't you leave me. I don't say that. I say, you go where God has called you, and may his blessing be upon you, because we don't own nobody. Our goal is to see you with the Lord wherever that may be. God is not a means of control. And for Jeroboam, it was. And he's a free one. Let me flip it for you. Don't you use God to bully people. It's a very easy tool to use. Well, God said you should give me that money. Don't, do, don't talk that trash. I've heard husbands and wives use God in fights in awful ways. Well, God said you should submit to my authority. In the middle of a fight, that's not the time to drop the name of the Lord. It's not. You don't make, listen, when you do that, 
You don't glorify him, you just upset her or, you're the, you're, you're, or you upset him, whatever you do. So God is not a means to control, but he's a person to be worshipped. The question is not, how can I use God for my benefit? The question should be, how can I approach God in worship? Because he's real and he's true and I need to be near him. Well, then Jeroboam does this, because he's so afraid of losing power. That's what he does. So the king took counsel, and he made two calves of gold. He made two golden calves. Remember this? Moses, Aaron, in, in the wilderness. Moses goes on the mountain. He's gone for a long time. The people are like, Moses would have died up there. What are we going to do? They tell Aaron, Aaron, make us a god we can worship. So Aaron says, give me all your gold. And he makes and he shapes a golden calf. And he says to the people, this golden calf, it's not Dagon or Baal or Vishnu. This is Yahweh who led us out of Egypt. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the one true God. And he says, this is our God. And they start worshiping and dancing to it. And so years later, Jeroboam goes, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, I remember the golden calf. They love that. And he makes two of them. And he says again, so he says, he says, says to the people, you have gone to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Same play. This is Yahweh. This is your God. Let's, the invisible God is so hard to worship. This golden God is so much cooler. Let's do this instead. And he puts one in the northernmost city of Dan and one in the southern city of Bethel. So you can go to, if you're where you live, you can go to either, either temple. This is what's so bad about what Jeroboam does here. Jeroboam decides to make God in his own image. Jeroboam's like, I'm going to make the God that I want. I'm going to make the God that I like the best. I'm going to make a God that fits my sensibilities. But here's the reality. We don't get to make up what God is like. We don't get to decide what God is like because God has revealed himself. But a lot of believers in Jesus, a lot of believers, go ahead and put point number two up there if you can for me. A lot of believers. I, hear people, I, I remember once I heard an Oprah Oprah said, well, the God I, I believe in would never do that. And to that I say, who cares what you think? God has spoken. I am not trying to make God in my own image. Say, God, what do I like? What are my favorite things? Instead, I read his word and say, Lord, who are you? Where am I wrong?" Where am I going off track? You speak and I will listen. Our third value is the church. We obey the king. God has revealed himself. He has spoken. We don't make him up. <laughs> he is not made in our image. We are made in his. It is so tempting we run into the hard parts of the Bible to say, well, I don't like that part. Listen. God has spoken. He has chosen to reveal himself to us. He has said, this is who I am. I want you to know me. Because this is true for us, there is this um, stereotype. There's all these racial stereotypes across the world, aren't there? 
but there's a few for the Jewish people. And one of the symptoms I've heard of the Jews is people call Jews greedy. I remember being at school, and I heard kids used to say to people, man, don't, like, don't be a Jew. They'd say that in a negative connotation. And the reason people say the Jews are greedy is because the Jewish people often have, wherever they've moved in the world, they've always had money. Whether they were in Russia, whether they were in Germany, wherever they moved, they were financially stable. People thought, well, because they're so greedy. That's not what it was. The reason the Jews were always so financially strong, wherever they moved in the world, they were people of the book. The Jews knew reading was central to their identity, so when the whole world's illiterate, every Jewish boy and girl could read the Torah. And if you can read, you have power, don't you? If you can read, you have opportunity to go forward, get education. So the the Jews went, they were lawyers or doctors, whatever. We are people of the book. We have to be going to the word and saying, Lord, what are you like? Not what I want you to be like, but what are you actually like? Show me, tell me, reveal to me your person so I can worship you better. God has revealed himself. His word is there, and many of us don't touch it at all. Now listen. If you don't read, we have a free app here at our church. You can go on our website, click it, download it. We give it to you for free called the Dwell app. You can listen to the word of God read aloud on your headphones or in your car. Every morning I walk my dog. You guys all know this. I get up at 6.15 in the morning. I have time to pray, time to shower. Then me, and then when I get out of my shower, I'm telling you, every morning, I get out of my shower, and my dog is just like, <sighs> he knows. Daddy's clean, he's paid up, it's walking time. So I go get his little, uh, every, it's the same, it's a, every morning, I get his leash, my dog does a, like a jump, kick off my, my belly, and I, I get the hook on her, and we go for a walk, and I have a little headphone in my ear. And I turn on the Bible, and I just walk and listen to God's word read every morning, and it's so good for my soul. Whether you're driving or walking or mowing the lawn, whatever, there are ways to get God's word inside of you besides reading. So there's there's audio. I'm going to YouTube. So I'm going to read. Dude, there's a Bible that James Earl Jones reads. Darth Vader reads the Bible. There's no excuse not to put this in your heart. God has spoken. We need to listen. We gotta stop saying, well, the God I the God I believe in does this. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what he revealed. What he says is truth, and we must draw close to it. That's why we have so many groups starting. We want you to be near the word. We want you to be near the word. Jeroboam takes God and says, I want God to be a golden calf instead of who he really is. He changes God, and this is going to break his people for generations. Because if you change one thing about God in your life, you're teaching everyone you love, it's okay. You, t- you almost say, God is a buffet. Take, if, if you like the rice, take the rice. If you don't like the, the meatballs, don't take the meatballs. God is not a buffet. God is God. You either accept him or don't. Either receive him or you either obey or you don't. Read his word. This is the last thing Jeroboam does. He says this. Then this thing becomes a sin, for the people went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples in the high places and appointed priests from among all the people who were not of the Levites. What's going on here? 
In the law God gave to his people, it was very much said, the Levites were the priesthood. The Levites were set apart to be God's servants. They had a position and a place in the world. That's the way it was supposed to work. And Jeroboam, he's like, forget the Levites, man. We don't need those. I'll get my own priests. And he starts, if you read Chronicles, people can pay money to be ordained as priests. The priesthood gets completely watered down and destroyed. The real Levites, the real priests of God, they flee the north and go to the south. And the Levites eventually join Judah. So they're like, man, you guys are the only ones that love God at all. These guys up north are crazy. What I say to us is this. Jeroboam appoints his own priests with no qualifications of any kind. For us in our lives, I want to say this. Spiritual authority cannot merely be taken. Spiritual authority cannot merely be taken. So number three, if you could, guys. Spiritual authority cannot be claimed by just anyone, but only by those who are qualified by God. Not just anyone can be a shepherd of God. They can't. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there's a list of qualifications. If you want to be a leader of my people, you must fulfill this criteria. And if you don't, don't come near it. The Bible says so many Jesus warns his disciples. He says, do not desire to be a leader, for you will be judged more harshly. Let me tell you something crazy about this thing that I do. If, you got, if someone in this church blows their life up, you fall into addiction, you cheat on your spouse, you get caught stealing from a store, We'll deal with that very privately in-house. No one's going to know. I'm not going to go on Sunday morning and go, uh, church, you know, so-and-so uh, stole $40 from the dollar mart. And they, they suck. I'm not, not going to do that, okay? We're not going to take their sin and be like, there's not going to be on the, the video feed, sinner with a picture and the sin of the week. You know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that would take the whole surface time. It's like, click, and this is so-and-so. It's like, we're not doing that. <laughs> Some of you will be the whole, the whole hour. Oh, they did this and they did this. <laughs> but so when it comes to the, the saints, sin is dealt with privately and before the Lord and we work through it. But it says of those who are called to be shepherds, it says if I were to cheat on my wife or to rob from the church, the word of God says I should be rebuked before everyone so the young men would learn to fear. Because of my public role, the Bible says I should be burned down in public. And that's stinking true. When I was a kid, I watched a pastor I loved fall into sin. I watched him on the stage, rebuked in public. You know what taught me? Holy cow, I never want to be that guy. One of my mentors... Helped me go to college, was there when I got married, helped us on our honeymoon, you know, helped give us some money for the honeymoon. And he says to me all the time, when he gave me money for college, he brought me in close. And I said, I give you this money for college. I'm investing in what God's going to do through you if you ever mess this up. This is my investment to heaven. If you ever mess, if you ever cheat on your wife, 
And this guy's an old guy. He's like, I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you. And no one hears him. Like, no one believes him because he's a sweet old man. When I got married, he pulled me close. Here's some money for the honeymoon. He's like, no, you mess us up. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he's a good man. I like him. My point is, a lot of us look for a spiritual leader based on how they make us feel. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we find this little verse that's so true of us as Americans. 2 Peter, 2 Timothy, Hebrews, Philemon. I'm right there. I know I'm right there. There it is. 4.3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We don't look for a preacher or a spiritual authority to tell us what we want to hear. We look for someone who's going to tell us the word of God says, even if it annoys the crap out of us. We need spiritual authority over our lives who tell us what the Bible really says. Put three back on there for me if you'd be so kind. Put number three back on there for me. Spiritual authority cannot be claimed by anyone, but only those who are qualified by God. It is why when we ordained Pastor John, him and his wife were brought before a council. They were questioned. Their family was questioned. Their marriage, their doctrinal knowledge was questioned. Do you know the word? Do you love the Lord? Do you love your wife? Right now we're working with a guy named James, James Klaus. And we're probably ordaining him soon. And he'll sit before the council. And his marriage, his doctrinal knowledge of the scriptures will all be tested. Because we don't ordain someone unless they're qualified by God. We don't take it lightly. When you search for spiritual authority in your life, don't just look for the flavor of the month, for the coolest cat in the house. You look for someone who loves Jesus who loves their family, who loves God's word. We're trying to do that here at Flint City. These three pieces are three rotten bricks that Jeroboam put into his kingdom. He tried to use God as a means to control others. That is poison. God is not meant to be a weapon to hurt people. Jeroboam tried to make God his own image. We don't do that. We don't get to tell God who he is. He tells us who he is. Read his word and learn from him. And three, Jeroboam goes and finds his own priesthood. We don't get to decide who gets to be have authority or not. God's word tells us who can and cannot have authority. And it's very, very specific. So, in your lives and your families, do not put these things in your lives. Find a church that loves Jesus and wants to equip you for ministry. Find a place, a community that loves God's word. And you personally get into God's word. And lastly, don't go to church because the person's a great speaker. You go because they're called by God, they're qualified by God, and they speak God's words. Because you want to be under truth, not under nonsense. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, we do love you. And we need you. 
Lord, Jeroboam built this foundation that was awful. And many of us, as we build our lives, we have these bad pieces down deep. We don't know what your word says, and so we're like, we're just lost. We're just like little kids wandering around not knowing what is true and what is false. We're easily bullied by people who would use your name to bully us. Lord, we go to any old voice on the internet to find truth, not knowing if they're good or evil. Lord, let us live in community. Let us be wise. Protect us, O Lord, from those who would abuse or control us. In Christ, we ask all these things. Amen. As we're dismissed, David, if you would, brother, come here. Tuesday at 6 p.m. we'll be here with Indian food and a Q&A with David. I hope you can make it to that. If you want more information about what David does in India, you want to go grab your, your sign-up sheet? David's going to be right here in the front. You can come up to him and sign up to receive his monthly email newsletter. If you want to know what God's doing in, in India, you can sign up with him before you leave. If No pressure. If you want to, you're allowed to. Cool? With that said, you're dismissed. God bless you all.